real, raw, true conversation and prayer with God. down into the water and when you do the old person dies you come up out of the water as a new creation of Jesus Christ Hey, welcome to Church Experience. Thank you so much for spending part of your weekend with us. Now is a great time to grab your weeklies and head to your seats if you haven't already because the service starts in 90 seconds. I'm here to tell you today that God wants to set you free. Oh, yeah. He wants to set you free.
presence. Pursue a relationship with him. Grow in your walk with him. Get closer to him. Spend more time with him because he's better. If you want your life to get better, then get around the one who is better. Get around Jesus. Get around the one who has power to change and transform your life. Get around the one who has the perfect grace for you and the perfect love for you and the perfect joy for your soul. Listen, he is better. Welcome to CE Online. We are so happy to see you today, and I'm looking forward to today's impacting message. During the service, you may have some questions, comments, prayer requests. If so, go to churchexperience.tv.connect or pull out your camera app and scan the QR code to connect with us. Or you could even hit that subscribe button if you always want to know more about what's going on here at CE. We're always glad to hear from you, get back to you, and be praying for you. Can you guess what time it is? Time to spend some time worshiping God through songs. Let's jump in, participate and let God speak to us during this time.
we thank you so much that you are our strength. You are there for us when we fail and you pick us back up. Father God, I just pray that you'll be with us this week and we'll hear your word and it'll speak to us. In Jesus' name. We've reached the end of our in-game teaching series as every week we've had a conversation about beginning with the end in mind. Living on purpose, living on mission as we pursue God's ultimate end for us. Well, as you start to live on mission, one of the things you quickly discover is that you face resistance. Because you start living differently. And not everybody understands. Not everybody agrees. Things can be challenging. And today in Luke chapter 15, you're going to see that even Jesus faced resistance. See, I've titled this message, Overcoming Resistance and Making More Progress, because every one of us understands what it's like to face resistance. And Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. Unlike you and I, he did everything perfectly, but you're going to see here even Jesus faced resistance. Check it out in Luke chapter 15. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now the tax collectors and the sinners, they were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. See, Jesus was living on mission. He was living on purpose. And as he did that, he drew criticism. People came around and they didn't agree with everything he did and how he did it. (laughs) They're muttering against him. Yet he was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. He was living on mission. He was living to reach the spiritually lost and help those who are disconnected from God, who are discouraged in their faith, to find hope in in Christ. And as he lived on mission, he started to experience resistance, something that every one of us will experience as we journey with Christ. And, And the challenge is that some of us are just not ready for it because we're not aware of the resistance that's coming our way. Especially new believers, you see this, they make a commitment to Christ that's fresh and exciting, and they start making forward progress, but then it gets difficult. And you start to hear them talk about how challenging it is to live on this narrow road. It was much easier to live on the broad road that leads to destruction, right? I mean, just do whatever you want, whatever feels good, whatever you think you want to do, and it doesn't end in a good destination, but the road is easy, right? The road is just do whatever you want. When you start living on the narrow road for Christ, it can get challenging. You make sacrifices. The destination is far better. The results are far greater, but the road is challenging. It's marked with resistance. And if you're not ready for it, when that resistance starts to hit your life, it can knock you out. My, my parents took my kids to this trampoline park called Urban Air. And in the middle of one of these trampolines, there's a wheel that has clock-like arms that are padded and stick out from every side. And this wheel starts to turn as you bounce on the trampoline and there's several people spread out around the trampoline and, and some of these arms that are, that are coming quickly at you, that some of them are chest high and some of them are ankle high. 
<laughs> and so, so you never know which one is coming at you. You're just responding as you see the next one coming. In. And if it's coming chest high, you duck. Right? If you see it coming ankle high, you jump. <laughs> if you don't jump quick enough, man, it'll take you out of the ankles you face plant. <laughs> if the one comes chest high and you're not ready for it, it'll smack you upside the head. But either way, this machine wins if it knocks you down. And it does not stop rotating until somebody falls and hits the ground. But once you hit the ground, once you're on the ground, it'll, it'll pause and let you get back up and collect yourself. But it keeps coming. It keeps coming. And resistance in our life, it keeps coming. And the devil is happy to take you out any way he can do it. He's happy to knock you down ankle high, get you discouraged and, and looking inward. And I'm a victim. And he's happy to take you down that way. And he'll knock you out chest high. He has to come for a full-on frontal blow and ram into your life with all kinds of trials and struggles. And if that'll take you out, he's just happy whatever it takes. Temptation, right? I mean, distraction. He just wants to get you out of the game. He wants to stop you from making forward progress towards God's ultimate end. So part of this idea of beginning with the end in mind is to realize that between the beginning of your spiritual journey, the beginning of this year, beginning of a new season in your life, and God's ultimate end, the distance between the beginning and the ending, there will be resistance. We, we must be aware of this. And as God starts to increase and bring progress in your life and you start to make forward motion, that's when you start to realize that the resistance comes. And sometimes it comes from the outside in and sometimes it comes from the inside out. Right, so you've had technology problems before. Sometimes it's a hardware problem. Sometimes it's a software problem. <laughs> End of last year, Jen and I were on a Zoom call. We had a, a little stand on top of a table, and we had our laptop on top trying to get it face high. And I tried to adjust this chair to, to adjust the computer screen, and my laptop slid off the top and slammed on the floor. <laughs> the screen cracked, right? So it was unusable. Maybe you've had a, a software glitch on the inside of your computer, and you don't know what coding went wrong in your computer, but you knew you couldn't use it. It doesn't matter if it's hardware on the outside or software on the inside. The point is you couldn't use it because it had this problem. And, and the devil doesn't worry about how he takes you out. He just wants to take you out. And then whatever it takes, resist you from making progress on your spiritual journey. Resist you and as you try to reach your friends for Christ. Resist you as you try to align your life to put Jesus first. Whatever it takes to get in the way and stop you from making progress, he's happy to do it. See, here's the idea. When influence increases, resistance rises. As the kingdom influence in your life increases, as you start to make a difference for God, as you start to be on mission, as the blessing of God starts to increase in your life, as God's favor starts to rest on your life, as you start to walk in righteousness and live for him, I'm telling you, as, as these things increase in your life, so does resistance. So does resistance. So we must be ready for it. Let me just ask you here at the outset, what resistance are you facing currently? What in your life are you really wrestling with, struggling with? What, what adversity and conflict is in your life? See, on the spiritual journey of our lives, as we try to make progress for God, we can get weary running up against resistance. We, we can get discouraged and feel defeated. But God has promised to be our rock and our shield, to give us rest when we are weary. So are you bringing that, whatever it is you've identified that is resistance in your life right now, have you been bringing that to God in prayer? God wants to help you. And see, Jesus, he faced resistance, and he's, he's a model for us. He's most of all our Savior, but he's also a model for us on how to overcome resistance. And you see here, he, he faces this resistance. They're muttering against him. They're criticizing him as he's trying to live on purpose, as he's trying to make a difference. He's trying to influence others for the kingdom of God. And, 
he starts to face resistance. And I want you to notice how he responds. He responds with three stories. If you read all of Luke 15, he talks about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And I want to zero in on that third story, the lost son, because there's such wisdom, such a beautiful story, such wisdom here to help us overcome resistance and make progress. And Jesus, he's really bringing it back to his why. Why live with the end in mind? Why do what he's doing trying to influence others for Christ? Luke chapter 15, look with me, if you will, at verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. This young man was a favored son to his father, and he was entrusted with so much, yet he wasted it all. And you and I have been entrusted with so much by our heavenly father. We've been given life. We've been given gifts and talents. We've been given opportunities, relationships and resources. God has entrusted us with so much, yet many of us are literally squandering and wasting what God has given us. And this young man did the same. He went out in wild living. He wasted what he had been given, and he was left with nothing. I I hope you don't have to end up at rock bottom. I hope we don't have to get to the point of brokenness like this young man before our eyes are opened. This young man, he got to a place where he had wasted everything, and he could not even eat the food of the animals. And here he is in a state of brokenness and pain because he had short-sighted vision. What do I feel like doing today? Let's go off and do what makes me happy. And while living, he wasted what he had been given. And you and I have been entrusted with so much, but if we could just raise our vision and look further ahead and say, God, you've entrusted me with so much in the end of my life when I'm accountable to you for all that I have done and all that I've said and how I've lived. God, how will I want to have lived my life? What legacy do I want to leave? Could you imagine how different your life journey could be if you could just get a bigger vision. Begin with the end in mind. See further ahead. See what God's big picture purpose is for your life. God God could help us overcome so many wasted seasons, so many wasted opportunities that that we're just missing, that God could redeem if we would see further out. (laughs) Maybe you had an experience where you were mowing the yard one time and you got to a place where you saw a little paper on the ground and you were in a hurry, you wanted to get that yard mowed, so you just ran that thing over. You didn't want to stop and pick it up. Well, what happened? It got shredded, right? <laughs> Just papers flew everywhere. They're all over the yard. It was a mess, right? And so you had a bigger problem now because now you had to stop and you had to pick up all those shreds of paper all over your yard. It was short-term thinking. You were just thinking, what's in front of me right now? Not a big deal. I'm just going to keep moving ahead. And you ignore the warning signs and now you got a bigger problem. See, here's the lesson. Short-term thinking brings long-term problems. Short-term thinking brings long-term problems. Now, this young man, he's got a big problem now. Jesus is telling this story for a very important reason, to open the eyes of those who are resisting him. And he says, hey, this young man, he has a big problem. He, he squandered everything. He wasted it in wild living. He's, he's broken, drifting without an anchor. And so many in our culture today are, are living this way. They're, they're drifting without an anchor. 
They don't know, they don't know truth. They don't have a true north. They, they don't know what they're living for. They're spiritually lost, struggling in this life without Christ, and they will suffer in eternity without God. This is Jesus' point here in Luke chapter 15. We're going to go on in the story in verse 17. He continues and says, When this young man came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Man, this guy is completely broken. He, he wants to go back and work for his dad because when he looks at his current situation, he can't even eat the food of the animals. This is that bad. He has hit the bottom, right? He has run into the wall, and he sees no hope for his future other than to go back and beg for a job from his dad. And sometimes we can get to a place of brokenness where our eyes are opened because we see that our situation is not good. We've been wasting our lives. We've been wasting our years. We've been wasting our giftedness. And, and I hope you don't have to hit the bottom for your eyes to be open. Maybe today God will provide a wake-up call in your life that you'll see, I am wasting, I'm literally wasting the life that God has given me. The one life, the one opportunity I have to live with the end in mind, to live for a purpose, to live for something that will be eternal, to leave a legacy. I'm wasting that opportunity. Maybe today God will open your eyes. This young man's eyes were open, but when his, his eyes were open, he didn't think that God, in this case, represented the father. He didn't think that the father would be so kind to receive him back into the family. Instead, he he, he thought he had to go back and work for him. And this is how we approach God, right? We, we think that, God, I'm not worthy because of all that I've wasted. I'm not worthy because of all of my sinful past. I'm not worthy because of all of my choices. And so we come to God thinking that we can earn our way back into standing with him. We do this through religiosity. If I go to enough services, if I, if I pray enough, if I pray the right prayers, if I'm a good enough person, then maybe God will receive me. But surely God would not just take me in based on his love for me. I have ruined that. There's so many people that feel that way. They feel like they have ruined their opportunity with God and their best shot is religion. If I could just earn it, can't receive it. No, I, I had to earn it. You have to show God that I'm worthy and, and God is saying, hey, hold on, you don't have to earn anything with me. You can just receive it. But grace is uncomfortable. Just to receive God's grace? Are you kidding me? Like God would just forgive me? He would just forgive me of everything that I've ever done and receive me and give me the gift of heaven. No way. This is an offer that's too good to be true. But when we really understand God's grace, it is uncomfortable because we have to humble ourselves. We have to come to him broken. I'm undeserving. I'm unworthy. And God, I'll receive it. And yes, and, and it may bring tears. It may be, bring all kinds of brokenness in your life because it's like, God, I am, I am unworthy. But that's where a heart of worship really f flows from. It's receiving this grace and understanding how incredible God's unconditional love is. But grace can be uncomfortable. And, and we don't like uncomfortable moments. We don't like awkward moments. I created one. <laughs> we, we were getting a Disney picture one time with our, our family. We are there. We gathered all four kids around. And we we're posing, getting ready. And we just, you know how it goes. You got to find the next passerby to take the picture. We say, hey. And, and, it's, and it's a young couple. And, the, and we say, hey, would you guys be willing to take our picture? And we, we have everything set off to the side. We have the stroller off to the side. We have Jen's purses sitting over there with all our stuff off to the side. And then they come and they, they get ready to take the picture. And then they're, they're taking this, this picture of our family and they snap a few of them and we say, thank you. And, and as they're still standing there, I, I say, oh, how old is your kid? Because I see the stroller behind them. I say, how old is your kid? 
And they look at each other puzzled, and Jen says, Brandon, that's our stroller. <laughs> that's not their stroller. Like, we don't have a kid. What are you talking about, man? So, like, let's move along, right? Just, I've, so many times in my life, I put my foot in my mouth, created awkward moments, misunderstandings, and you've done the same thing, right? We don't like awkward moments. Just, they feel uncomfortable. We want to get out of them as soon as we can. Let, let's, let's go, right? Let's get out of here. I feel uncomfortable. It's awkward. And, and we don't like to sit in that tension. And, th- and there's tension in grace because... It's amazing. It's truly incredible. We want it. We, we desperately want God's grace. Like this young man, his, he, he was hungry. And there's, there's spiritually starving people in your lives. And, and maybe this is where you're at today. We, we are spiritually starving. And we want what God has to offer. We want what satisfies our souls. And so there's this tension because we want it, but we say, no, we, we resist it. God, there's no, way that, and there's no way that you could just give that to me. It couldn't be that good. But God says grace is you have to humble yourself and receive what I freely give you. You can't earn it. You have to humble yourself, admit that you're a sinner, and receive God's grace. And, and this is where this, this young man is at. And this is where the story continues in Luke chapter 15, verse 20. And Jesus is building to a point. He's building towards an end game here. That's, we're, we're, our eyes are going to be open. We're going to see how we can overcome resistance, how we can make progress. Let's, let's keep going with the story here. Luke chapter 15, look at verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. This was not at all the reception that the son thought he would have from the father. The father runs towards him, hugs him, and throws a party to celebrate that his son is home. And he calls him a son, not an employee. And God is way more gracious and merciful and compassionate than we think he is. He, he loves to receive us when we run away and come back, he loves to receive this home. He'd much rather us not ever run away and have to experience all the consequences, but he loves it when we, we come home to him. He cares about us, so forgive us. And God is just always so gracious to us. It's who he is. But what, one of the things I love about the story is it says this young man, he, he got up and he, and he went to his father. He got up and he went to his father. See, God won't decide to change for you. He wants you to change, but he won't make the decision to change for you. You must decide that you're not satisfied with the way things are. You must decide that you are going to move closer to God. He's already drawing you in. He will receive you, but you must decide to change. See, God won't make the decision to change for you. He, he won't make that decision. He won't make my decision to change. But we, we will change. We will see change for the worse in our life if we don't make that decision. And the reason why we don't make it sometimes is we fear that God won't receive us, that maybe he'll lower our status. But, but this son comes home, and the father welcomes him as if he never left. He's like, welcome home. It's like if you've ever gone back home to your grandparents' house, and maybe your parents' house, and all the, all the smells and the sounds and the sights, and all these things, it's just all the memories come flooding back as you walk through that door. And, and it's, when you come home, and when you're distant to God, I mean, the devil, he tells you, I've heard it said this way, he, he tells you before you sin, like this would be not a problem to, to repent and come back to God, but then after you sin, he tells you it's impossible, like God will never receive you. And it's one of his lies. He's a father of lies, a master of lies, and he'll lie to you and say, hey, you're distant from God. Like God won't receive you. Just It's gonna be too hard. It's gonna be too painful. But when you come home to God, man, it's just like walking through that door. It's a homecoming. God will receive you. 
Well, this, this story moves on in Luke chapter 15, the final part of it we're going to read today, Luke 15, and then you're going to see how this all comes together to help us understand what Jesus was talking about and help us understand how we can overcome resistance, how we can make progress. It all, all wraps up here in Luke chapter 15. Take a look with me at verse 25. It says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Now let me just pause there for a quick moment. We'll keep reading. Jesus is making a point here as he's talking to these teachers of the law, these Pharisees. They're the ones that were muttering against Jesus. They're the ones that are creating resistance against Jesus, right, as he is welcoming sinners, as he's teaching sinners. And so Jesus is making a point, and they would know that he's talking about them in this story. He goes on in verse 29, he says, But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So Jesus is making a point here to those Pharisees and teachers of the law who are creating resistance against him as he welcomes and eats with sinners, as he teaches them about the kingdom of God, they don't like this. And so Jesus is connecting them together with his older brother in the story. And the older brother here, he's resisting the father welcoming home the lost brother. He's like, hey, why are you, why are you making such a big deal of this? He's squandered and wasted so much. And, and Jesus, he, he brings the story home and he says, well, the father in heaven, like he... He rejoices when his lost kids come home. And that's the point. That's God's end game. The reconciliation of God and man. That's what God wants us to live for. And when we're talking about end game, living with the end in mind, what's God's ultimate end? For God so loved the world that he gave his son. That whoever believes in him, whoever, doesn't matter how lost they are, how much they've wasted, how far from God they are, like he loves them so much. And he wants to be reconciled to them in relationship. That's his end game. And, and his end game for us is to join him on that mission. For you and your career and your time and with your giftedness and your resources to say, yes, God, I want to join you on that mission. I want to be reconciled to you, but then I also want to help create places for people to be reconciled to you. I want to be on mission with you. And, and this older brother, he wasn't celebrating the real win. The real win is that the son came home and he was found. It brings up a good question. Do I celebrate the same things Jesus celebrates? As you see that question, I want you to really think about it. Do you? Do you celebrate the things that Jesus celebrates? What does Jesus celebrate? People. People making progress toward their Father in heaven. Spiritually lost people being found. People growing up in their faith journey. Are these the kinds of things that in our heart, deep in our heart, we truly celebrate? I'm sure there's a lot of things that you and I enjoyed over this last year and that we celebrated. Graduations and birthdays and promotions at work and all kinds of things that we can celebrate and get excited about. Nothing wrong with those things. They're good things. But is the thing that you celebrate the most the same thing that makes heaven rejoice? And this is a big part of Jesus' point here in this story. 
How do you overcome resistance? You focus back on the why. What's the most important thing? Yeah, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of adversity in life. But what's the thing that's going to wake us up in the morning and keep us going? It's God's purposes, his end game. And what is his end game? His end game is people. Where do we want to make the most progress in life? We want to make the most progress with people. We want to see people grow and get closer to God. So we as a church, what can we do in our communities, and in, in our families, in our neighborhoods? What can we do to make progress towards God's ultimate end game? As we wrap up and conclude this message today in this teaching series, End Game, I'm going to just give you some brief application points to how you can walk this out in your life. The first one is to share Jesus relentlessly. If you want to make progress on the things that matter, then share Jesus relentlessly. We naturally do this when it comes to a meal that we have enjoyed and experienced for the first time, like this is amazing, or an experience that we've had, an adventure, some place that we've traveled. We, we come home and we tell our friends, hey, you're not gonna believe, this was incredible. We naturally share these things. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could get to the point where we share Jesus just as naturally? Now you have got to know what Jesus has done for me. This is unreal, the grace that I've experienced what God has done in my life. Let me tell you a story what God has done, how God has provided, what he's accomplished in my life and in my family. Share Jesus relentlessly. How do we make progress? We share Jesus. The second one is we pray fiercely. We pray fiercely for the spiritually lost. And this is really where it begins, where God really starts to move and change lives. We can't change anyone else. Like we said before, like everybody has to make their own choice to come to Jesus, but we can pray people toward Jesus. We, we, can, we can pray for them in so many different ways and pray fiercely for them. And I hope that you will. And for family members, for friends, for God's kingdom to come, his will to be done, we want to pray fiercely. Our, our family was at, at the mall the other day. The kids, they were sitting out around the, the ice skating rink watching the skaters just skate around. And we were sitting there at the tables. And, and this woman in our church came up. Her name is Tina. And, and Tina leads a prayer team at our church. And, and we, we, we hugged her and, and said hi. And we're talking to her. And, and she, she went to each of my kids and she says, I pray for you guys by name. And I know she prays for many people in our church, but she's like, I pray for you daily. You know how powerful that was for me? And she's telling me the names of the different people that are, that are praying in our church and they're part of this prayer group. And, and they're amazing. I also have a prayer team in our church, a prayer team that specifically prays for you, that prays for our church family, that prays for us. And, and I pray for them every day. And, and, and prayer is just such a powerful thing. We believe in prayer as a church because we've seen God change lives. Just this last week, we've, we've seen many people come to Christ and give their lives to Jesus. In the service, in the lobby afterwards, we're seeing God do some incredible things. And I think prayer is behind that. Prayer is powerful. Be praying. And the third thing we can do to move God's kingdom forward is to serve tirelessly. And write that down, to serve tirelessly. You know, you, you can create a place for people to come hear about Jesus and have their life transformed. Now, we want to go out into the community, and we do go out into the community, and we share Jesus, and we meet needs. But the local church, as a gathering, is a, a place for people to come. It's like a spiritual hospital. Like if, if somebody, and we, we literally just had this this last week in tears, a woman, as she walked in the doors of one of our services, she told me, she says, I have never been to church before. And she was there with friends in the church, Donna and Shannon are their names, and, and they connected online. And she said she, she was looking for a church in our community. She posted on the, the city Facebook group page with 15,000 people. Half a dozen people said, hey, you should go to church experience. And one of those people reached out to him and said, you come sit with me, and she comes. Never been to church before, and it tears in her eyes. It's like, I've never been here, but God told me to come. She says she's coming back. God's impacting her life. You can help create a place for people to come and experience the presence of God. Where does someone go when they're spiritually lost? They think to go to church. They think to go to someone who knows Jesus. 
And you can help create a place like that. And some of you do that. You, you serve in our kid experience area week after week in our services. Well, people can worship God. The adults can worship God. Their kids can be well cared for. It and and you, you sacrificially give of your time. And you'll make a difference in the lives of young children, babies. You hold them and love on them and pray for them. And some of you, you come to our student experience ministry and you serve students and you love on them and point them towards Jesus and mentor them and go on activities with them and have all kinds of fun with them and laugh with them. And that makes a difference in their life as they're they're trying to make big decisions at that young age. It's it's transformational. Some of you have opened your homes to lead life groups and to teach other people the Bible and guide them and pastor them. What an amazing thing to be there for them in their crisis moments and care for them. Extend the love of God by extending your home and your living room. It's a powerful thing. Some of you use your gifts in technology, administration, musicianship, singing. On and on it goes. We have people that make coffee for those who come in so they can feel the love of God. They hold signs. There's people that open doors and seat people and collect offerings. All sorts of things that people do so that this can be a place where people can come and experience the presence of God. And some of you are ready to get involved and start serving the Lord today. Check out this this website, backslash connect, or you can scan the QR code. I'm just telling you, like, make that step. Get involved. It will change your life, and it will change the lives of others. You know, we are all the body of Christ. And I don't know if you've ever tweaked your neck or your back. (laughs) You just felt like something was off. It just made everything hard, everything difficult. That's what it's like in the church when, when we're missing your giftedness as a part of the team. Because right, we're a body, and, and without you, we're not complete. And so the body just doesn't flow like it should when everybody doesn't contribute their giftedness and their time and their energy. So serve tirelessly. The fourth and final thing, how you can make progress towards God's ultimate end is to give irrationally. Give irrationally. A lot, a lot of people give of their resources, their finances, their time to God, but, but giving irrationally, what I mean by that is to, is to not, not throw caution to the wind and be foolish, but it's to give beyond what makes normal sense. You know, a lot of us are, are so strategic that we'll say, well, God, I'll portion off a little part of my life. And it might be in our finances. Well, God, I'll just give you a little tip. I'll give you a little bit of my resources. God, with my time, I'll just give you a little bit. I get an hour or two here and there. But Jesus gave everything. He literally gave his life unto the cross for us to be saved. And he says, if you want to follow after me, take up your cross. What would it look like for us to die to ourselves so that others could live? What would it look like for us to die to ourselves so God's kingdom could come? Give irrationally, extravagantly. What would it look like for us to open up our lives, open up our finances, open up our giftedness, open up our connections and say, God, however you want to use me, I'm available. I'm all in. Give irrationally. As God's church steps up and starts to do these things by sharing Jesus relentlessly and praying fiercely, and serving tirelessly and giving irrationally, God's kingdom will come. And this is what it looks like to live with the end in mind. Many years ago, when we lived out west, uh, Jen's brother-in-law came to visit us. And as he was leaving, after a great week together and some special memories made, he was pulling out of our driveway and leaving our subdivision. And he rolled his window down and we were saying, bye, Brent. And he yelled out his window, young single guy's like, bye. And, And he kept yelling as he drove off of our street and down the next street. And about a mile away, we could hear him yelling, bye, and so he just, all the way out so we couldn't, couldn't even see him anymore. 
Well, this became the start of a tradition that has lasted years in our family. Anytime we, we see the, the, the family, Jen's side of the family, and we're pulling away after Christmas vacation or after summer break and we see them and we drive out, the kids all roll down their windows, yell in the car, bye, and the grandparents or the aunts or uncles, whoever's left at the house, they all stand at the door, bye, we just yell for as long as we can until we're, we're out off their street, like far enough away, we know they can't hear us anymore. It's just kind of a fun tradition. Because when you have something good, you hate to see it come to an end. Right, like you want to hold on to it as long as you can. But there will be a time when this life as we know it will come to an end. And if we could just live with that end in mind, if we could just live knowing that there is a final day, there's a final destination where we'll stand before God and give an account for how we lived our life. I'm telling you how we would live our days here and now would be so different. So many things that we chase in this life become irrelevant when we focus on the true end. And so many purposes and priorities of God become absolutely mission critical. Live with the end in mind, church. Live with the end in mind because it will change and transform how you live and why you live. It will help you overcome resistance. And it will help you make progress towards our final destination where we hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant. God loves you. And he has an amazing plan for your life. So make the most of it. And don't waste this season. Right on? Right on. Come on, let's pray. God, you are so good to us. You're so gracious to us. God, no matter how much we have squandered and wasted, God, you forgive, you restore, you rebuild. And God, we, we thank you today because all of us are a product of your grace. We thank you that God, like prodigals, when we came home to you, you received us, you forgave us. And God, we praise you for the reports of so many that have been coming to you over these, these last months and this last year. It, it's amazing, God, to see the lives that are being transformed, how the church has grown, how the impact that's being made in the community. But God, we're praying for more of it. We want to see more transformation. God, we want to see you at work in our community like never before. Revival, reviving us of spiritual deadness. God, wake us up inside. Wake us up to a purpose. Wake us up to your plan for our life. And Father, we pray today for anyone who doesn't know your hope, that doesn't know what it's like to walk in true life. We just pray right now, God, that they would see that, God, you have a plan for them, that you care about them, and that your grace is sufficient for all of their failures and all their weaknesses. And if that's you today, and as we're praying, you're saying, I I need God's grace personally. I've never received it. You can do that right now by just saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I receive you into my life. You paid for my sins so that I don't have to. So I receive that gift. I I humble myself and receive it. I know I can't earn it, but I just receive it. And I thank you for it. And God, we all thank you for your grace. And we also pray that you'd help us to be agents of your grace in this world. Help us, God, to go out on mission this week and and share our faith relentlessly to everyone that, that comes across our path. And may we pray, God, for the spiritually lost and pray for your church. God, may we pray fierce prayers. And may we see you, God, do incredible things. And God, may we serve you tirelessly. We, we know that, God, that, that doing good work can make us weary. But may we not be weary in doing good work because we know it's for you. And, Father, may we give irrationally of ourselves, of our lives, of our finances, of our time. God, may we give so that others can find true life in you. We give ourselves to you. We thank you for including us in this mission. And as we, as we begin this new season, this new year, with the end in mind, God, exceed all of our expectations and do more than we can possibly imagine. For your name, Jesus, and your name alone. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Before our usher team comes forward to receive our tithes and offerings and response cards, here's a few important things happening with our CE family. We all need an inner circle of friends to keep us accountable for being spiritually healthy. 
One of the best ways to build great friendships within CE is to join a life group. There are many groups to choose from, and we would love to help you find the best fit for you. Fill in the life group's bubble on the back of your response card and find out more. Life is so much better together. Whether you're new to church experience or you've been attending for a while, you're invited to join us for first class. You'll learn more about the history, beliefs, mission, and vision of CE. This is also a great opportunity to meet some other great CE people. To let us know that you're interested in attending the next class on Sunday, February 19th, write first class on your response card. As our ushers come forward to collect our response cards and receive our tithes and offerings, God tells us in his word that he loves a cheerful giver. Each time you cheerfully give of your resources, it creates an open avenue of worship to connect fully with the heart of God. As you give through your tithes and offerings, you are helping more people experience a full life in Jesus Christ every week. Visit the Give page of our CE website or our app and quickly set up an automatic recurring gift that will have a consistent impact in so many lives. Thank you for your faithfulness to God through CE. Thank you for being on mission with us to help more people experience a full life in Jesus Christ.
It's been an amazing time here at CE with you. You may have made a commitment during the service today, and if so, we'd love to have you reach out and let us know by scanning the QR code. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can scan that same code or go to churchexperience.tv forward slash connect. We hope to hear from you. If you haven't, check out our CE social media, Instagram, Facebook, website, or app. Make sure you do and go ahead and hit that subscribe button. I've loved our time together and we can't wait to see you next week.